0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host hey y'all welcome back to a thursday august 10th 2023 edition here on the chase thomas podcast college football show here with fellow university of north georgia alumni matt green talking big 10 season preview as we wrap up our final two with the power two um here on the program we talk about if michigan or ohio state's going to make it through or penn state is this the year that penn state finally gets through and uh takes care of business in the big 10 with drew Aller and company uh very very talented penn state crew so will they do it we talk about that michigan that uh schedule for them new faces at nebraska purdue um will iowa uh, keep things humming and just find their way into the big 10 title game uh once again michigan state Things are looking pretty bad, four and a half win total. Um, conference realignment, hit on that. Coaches poll top ten, which top ten team will not end up being in the top ten when it's all said and done uh, this year. SEC, who of the new four schools make uh, win the SEC uh, at, uh, at some point in the near future. We talk about the Big Ten of their new Big Four, who wins it first among them. And then finally, the transfer quarterback QBs. And there are so many all across the sport. Uh, in college football, but why it's actually a good thing um, to have this much movement um, and what fans are getting on each and every Saturday. All that more coming up next. Hey y'all, thanks for checking out the Chase Ones podcast. If you are not already a subscriber and this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Appreciate you guys checking out uh, what we've got cooking here on the program. Um, If you enjoy what you hear today, please make sure you hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. New episode, new content every single day. Tennessee Vols, Atlanta Sports Guys, Sports Reporters Assemble, NFL, NBA, college football, all that and more right here on this feed each and every day. Your favorite writers, analysts, personalities in the space on this very feed every day. So if you like that, you like the best national sports talk with a local flavor outside of here in Knoxville, Tennessee, then this is the show for you. So make sure you're locked in on your preferred podcast player. And if you're already a subscriber, you know what I'm about to say. But if you could, please leave a, this show a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or however you're listening. I promise you it helps this show continue to grow, helps other people find the show, and all that good stuff. So if you could take a second today and you're already a fan, you love the show, tell a friend, family member, coworker, whoever, about the Chase Ones podcast as we get bigger and bigger each and every day here in tennessee i would greatly appreciate it five star review or five star rating write a review i promise it helps in a major way takes a second hit that pause button take care of its day, and uh yeah we greatly appreciate it chase thomas pod the chase thomas podcast um my nephew needs me to record
1: see i hate i already hate it i hate it
0: all right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything school HQ down there in Tequila, Georgia. Fellow University of North Georgia alumni Matt Green is here. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you?
1: Good evening, sir. It is uh it is good to be back talking with you. Um you know, got to, got to see a nice Braves victory over the over the Pirates here, um, and yeah, now we're uh, now we're talking talking college football. We're we're very close to the regular season, man.
0: Twenty five days today, I think, um, uh, for the Vols. I guess it would be for Georgia too. We both play on Saturday. No, I'm you're
1: sure. a couple of days off there. Yeah, I mean to recalculate. We are. You, are we going to doing it? We're jumping right in. Hold
0: on. Is it not 25 until the Vols play or till the first day of college football?
1: They play on Saturday, right? Yeah. They play on that first Saturday. Um, the third? Well, like week one. Yeah. Is um, it third or the second? Third. You should probably know this. It um, is the No, third. September 2nd. It's a no, Saturday. No, it's the third.
0: Is it a Saturday? What are you looking at?
1: Yeah, September 3rd is a Sunday. Tennessee doesn't play on Sunday, right?
0: Oh, yeah. I guess it is a Sunday. Okay, it's uh, the second.
1: So uh, our loyal listeners are obviously listening to this when it first it was released on Thursday, so we are 23 days away from college football season. Mm. I was hoping we'd go 24, you know. Then I get no Sean Marino in there, get a little Georgia love. I know we don't get enough Georgia talk, you we know, don't. on this on this podcast. But you know, not not 24. Mm. Uh, we are 23 days away. So um, who's who's the best 23 Tennessee's got? I'm putting you on the spot.
0: I mean, Cam Seldon's wearing it right now. There aren't a lot of 23s. That i'm thinking about right now um that's another was, one it was we, uh, was foster was he 21
1: at tennessee 27 27 27. yeah okay. um i'm thinking like uh tim jennings is probably the best 23 mm. georgia pro bowl corner for uh for the bears and the colts so um yeah like five seven and a half but tim jennings was a dog i was a huge corners have always been my favorite players no, it's just it's a uh, it's it's a fact. He was a dog. That mm. um, you didn't have to be a Georgia bulldog to be a dog, but he definitely was. Um, yeah, had that pick to seal the uh, to seal the Georgia Tech game back in uh, two thousand five, pick six in the SEC championship to to stun LSU when they were number three and no one gave Georgia a chance. And DJ Shockley and the dogs just absolutely uh dominate LSU. But um yeah, so that's hmm. that's probably the best twenty-three. I, who's the current I think Mark Webb a couple years ago was twenty-three, uh a defensive back. Who's twenty-three now? I'm I'm blank. oh Tykey Smith on defense, uh the West Virginia transfer who might this might be the year he uh that he gets uh some some starter minutes at Georgia. He might be the star coming to the into this season. But who knows the way George's been recruiting you know javon bullard they found they out recruited they recruited over tyke smith essentially but javon bullard's gonna be playing safety so that star position uh could be there for the taking
0: is he healthy i thought something happened to tyke smith
1: yeah he, well he tore his acl the first year that's why he missed okay. 2021 and then i think he just got beat out in 2022 but um uh, man that guy at west virginia some of those highlights like Playing that that star position is the exact place that that he should be he he the place he made uh, like the tackles behind the line of scrimmage like that's uh he, he's super physical he was explosive I just not trying to blast Tyke Smith here but I really just haven't seen it since he's been on a Georgia uniform he just doesn't look like the same level of athlete I just don't know if he's been I mean not everyone recovers from those big time injuries the same so you know he just might he might he just might not be the same as he once was
0: No Lassiter for a little bit. He's banged up. So the corner spot looking a little thin here. I think that's
1: just a uh, practice thing, though. I don't think Mm. there's any jeopardy of him missing time at this point. Honestly, it's probably a good thing since he's such a known uh, like starter on that one side, like given now you're giving two guys uh, first team reps, you know, just kind of see what they can do, because that that other corner spot is pretty much a, a three way race. So the more reps those guys can get, the better. Hey. assuming Lasseter doesn't have to miss any time that's obviously not a good thing
0: I don't know man uh you got to be careful here like there's not a safety walking through that door in the 2024 class they just ah. Kirby losing his juice here a little bit on the ah. on the on the recruiting trail you going to be
1: was what like the second ranked safety in the country or was he the first ranked safety in the country in 2020 uh no Caleb Downs was, was first yes. uh, like the number two safety in America in 2023 I think I think uh I think kirby kirby will be all right at the safety position and it's it's kirby's position like our safety play like no disrespect to dominic sanders and jre but those guys weren't five-star nfl players and they were they were damn good dogs
0: man maybe jack luttrell is going to be the the tennessee's kirby in uh 26 years uh for the vols uh hey
1: you never know i was telling um uh, my brother the other day like it's 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 so cool like it's funny, just the the age we are now and like the players we grew up, like I was watching the Braves and Angels, and Phil Nevin was the manager now, and I can even realize that, but it's just like growing up, I didn't know any of these guys that used to be baseball players because they were kind of mediocre and then they became managers later. But now I know the I know the mediocre players that that are becoming coaches and stuff.
0: Well, did you see Peter Ward's son committed to Florida State? I mean, just not,
1: not trying to disrespect Phil Nevin on the podcast either. I mean, that's not a disrespect,
0: uh, but yeah, no. Peter Warwick Jr. is going to Florida State. And when you see stuff like that, Peter War Warwick... Yeah. But that's actually one of those where I would have assumed his son was older. Like Frank Gore Jr. is already out here year nine at, yeah. at Southern Miss. Like Asante actually...
1: Samuel Jr. was a couple years ago. That's the yeah. first one that made me feel old. I was like, Asante Samuel? He, he stopped playing like three <laughs> years ago. Like what the? Yeah. I think
0: Jimmy Horn's son was the one for me um a couple of years ago fernando tatis jr was tough major league baseball where i'm like oof junior's already in there um yeah it's it's a time comes for us all father time comes for us all matt green um, absolutely it's gonna be weird um well matt green we already talked about how many days until college football we're it's kind of wild that we're this close i mean we are uh from saturday three more saturdays away from uh the beginning of the tennessee georgia clash march to the to atlanta here but um we have a lot of uh news to get into before we do our big 10 preview our final two here um with the big 10 this week and the sec next week sir um neither the nighthawk our fellow uh nighthawk here uh, as two university of north georgia alumni um there's a lot of realignment stuff as we're recording this I hate talking about this on the pod because so much can change in just an hour like we think about like what we've tweeted about or what we've texted about over the last week and how much has already changed since we first started texting about conference realignment a week ago since our last pod so I just I hesitate until things really start settling down to go down this, these rabbit holes but I mean, Cal and Stanford not um, going to... It doesn't look like they are going to be on their way to the ACC. And I saw a uh, friend of the pod um, who, uh, was, uh, who was at Wildcat, Wildcat Authority, who's covered the Pac-12 really well the last few weeks and had a lot of stuff first and ahead of the time on what was happening with the Pac-12, um, Jason Shear. And he posted on 247 the five teams that voted against um The ACC adding Cal and Stanford, which happened to be Virginia, UNC, North Carolina State, Florida State, and Clemson. So that's who he's reporting where the five knows. That's very interesting to me. And the reason why that stands out to me very strongly, Matt Green, it kind of leads into my broader question about where you're at with just realignment. If you're uh, more optimistic now that things are really, really consolidating and we're just kind of ripping the bandaid off in a lot of ways over the last week, but those 5 in particular raised a major eyebrow if that's true because i think 5 of those i mean there's one team left off that i think um is important here which is virginia tech as well but i think those 5 don't want the acc to expand because they want out of the acc they don't want uh stability like those are the teams that like i think the two favorites to make the sec if the acc dissolves is virginia and north carolina I think if you're Virginia, North Carolina, you're like, I don't really- Virginia, North Carolina over Clemson, Florida State? Oh yeah, no question. I they want to say, go into those markets first. They want to go into Virginia, they want to go to North Carolina. I would say the state See, I don't bet,
1: think it's about the TV markets anymore. Like from what they from what they say, it's about the brands over the TV markets. And Clemson and Florida State are the only ones in the ACC that actually do anything for the SEC. Other than maybe like a Duke, North Carolina, getting like- that massive basketball rivalry like that's that that's a huge thing but i think clemson and florida state are the only ones that the sec would actually get excited about like florida state comes in the in the sec they're unrivaled with like four teams like from day one like auburn florida state's immediately a rivalry like what are they two hours three hours apart like they're just florida state and georgia is like immediately a rivalry like with how with how often those two teams are recruiting against the same players and obviously like florida florida state and Clemson like Florida State would just be such a easy team to just they would also just have played LSU twice and you know in recent history like I feel like Florida State they would they would add a lot to the SEC
0: I'm not disagreeing they wouldn't add a lot I just don't think they're going to wind up here I think it's going to be Virginia I think it's going to be North Carolina I would bet the house on North Carolina Mm. being in the SEC and then I would probably bet I think the last one of that group i i would say notre dame seems like that one's inching closer and closer i think to the sec yeah i would bet on notre dame <laughs> because i think we're getting closer uh. to the point where you have to be in a conference to make the playoff and like that rule comes in or like the fact that they're kind of voting and have a vote in acc expansion when they're not even an acc team like it's just all very weird what's going on with notre yeah. dame and commentary alignment but i would be pretty surprised if it's not Those three. And then I'd probably say Miami. I would say Miami is more likely to get into the SEC than um, Florida State and Clemson. I think Florida State, Clemson, NC State, and Virginia Tech are the four that wind up in the Big Ten in that final grouping. And they split them up that way and the market's up that way. That's my guess.
1: First, I want to start by saying... The list. The last thing I want is like two super conferences. I think that's just yeah. That's just. Dumb. But we know that the ACC like, is crumbling. I'm sure, I'm like sure the, 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 the scheduling, like the the product on the field might be better with with all the scheduling and just having more marquee name, more marquee uh, games. But I just don't want this. I'm hoping that in some way we can settle on a power four. I also think Louisville is in that group. That's like kind of trying to get out of the sec part of that seven the magnificent seven or something i think they mm-hmm. talked about from the acc well they
0: just need to flip with west virginia like that's the obvious one where west yeah. virginia belongs in the acc and louisville even feels like a big 12 team put them in the big 12. just that but i would really
1: i really wish i mean at this point i really wish none of this would have happened but at this point i wish cal cal stanford oregon state and washington state we'll just be absorbed by the ACC cuz then mm-hmm. that gets the ACC up to what 18 teams. Like then the SEC sitting at 16, what is the Big 12 uh with these with these new Pac-12 teams, eight? what are they up to 16 or are they at 18? They cuz they're going to be at they're going to be back at 12 once Texas Oklahoma leaves, I think. Okay, then they're And 16. then they go to 16, I believe. Mm. So like the 16 to 18 team conferences, like that seems like a way we can like settle this whole thing down and have like four um just power four conferences like maybe one of them or maybe two of them are stronger than the other two but like florida state and miami have also like been really down in, in football in the, in recent history M- miami obviously for a lot longer than florida state but and virginia tech's been down but these things are cyclical. Like there's a lot of solid programs that are currently in the ACC that this this, this can be a respectable conference again. So I don't, I don't know. I don't get why like the ACC is all, I, I mean, I know that the TV contracts are what they are, but I don't, I don't understand why the, all these ACC teams would just be jumping ship. Like this conference is, is dying. Like I, I hope it's not like obviously the SEC is making more money right now, but
0: I think we're gonna have a power four. And then I think the Big 12 and the ACC dissolve in like the decade. I think the TV money going away, I think the they're strong for a while. They dissolve and then we're down or they combine maybe the ACC and the Big 12 combine or something like I just, I don't know, maybe you have a power three when it's all said and done, which also would not be, I mean, I still, it's better than power two because I still think we're, my gut tells me we're inching to like a 64, 68 FPS model where it's, like, whoever, like, finds their way into that final 64, 68. And, like, you got to just be, if you're a Memphis fan or UConn or some Washington State, Oregon, like, it's just got to be terrible. Like, you're right on the bubble, and you just might be left without a chair, and then you're just kind of left behind. You just make a drastic change to what your future is, what you can be, and it's all, I just, I can't imagine what it's like being an Oregon State and Washington State fan right now, especially Oregon State, where you're coming into a year where you might be, Uh, the Pac-12 champs and you have all these reasons to be excited and then you're like this is it like (laughs) we're looking at this as like the last dance and then like what does our program look like next year and what conference are we playing are we playing the Mountain West we go from maybe Pac-12 champs to the Mountain West where we don't even get like I just can't imagine um what happens and we should also throw out the AAC um because they've been aggressive as well maybe they um become bigger players in the next day or so, or they get involved with Cal and Stanford and all these guys. And then they become, I, I don't know. I think they're still, it, this is why I don't want to talk. This is why more than anything else, I just want to skip ahead. I just want to get to the end of this. I want to, whatever is going to happen here, let's get to the end. Like, I don't want this to be the the, the topic and of du jour and what we spend an entire preseason talking about instead of the actual games instead of the actual teams and all of this other stuff that actually is fun that makes the sport fun because when folks talk about hey when the games happen we forget about all of this that's true like the fans who are freaking out if you're an sec fan you're forgetting about all this or complaining y'all are fine like tennessee's in the boat Georgia's in the boat like if you're an sec you're going to be fine you're not really going to notice i mean pate's made this point where it's like are you going to notice these things on saturdays when you're at these games watching these games on tv if you're a georgia fan no if you're an alabama fan no like this is a gigantic industry this is a bi- multi-billion dollar industry and sec schools ha- are just pouring so many resources into the sport into college athletics in general it's just not going anywhere so it's like for me i don't really fret all that much about it i just want to get to the end i want this to be over because it is just so tiring to keep up with and to have so much of the oxygen of the sport wrapped up into this stuff which everyone always is like, what's all the money? It's like, yeah, I got it. It, It's all about the money. I get that. Let's just get to the end. What, what happens when it's always
1: the timing of everything? too. It was like, what was the week of the national championship that it's like, Oh, USC and UCLA are joining the big 10. Or was Mm -hmm. that like the week of the, the season starting last year? It's like, we're a month out of the season. Like, dude, talk about this in February. Like, the NFL yeah. knows how to dominate their news cycle, and they and they just give you a little a little bit of crumbs every couple months, every few weeks to satisfy you in the offseason. Like, college football is like, oh, uh, season's about to start. Well, uh, we we made new rules, and now all the players can get paid. You guys yeah. uh, prepare for the new season.
0: Speaking of the new season, though, Matt Cream, the coaches poll came out this week, and my question to you, of the top 10 teams, Tennessee coming in there right at number 10, um, of those top 10 teams, we know that at least a couple are not going to finish the season ranked, but I'm just asking you, give me the one that you are most confident finishes unranked this year after starting out in the top 10 here
1: unranked so uh for our for our listeners there we got we got georgia michigan alabama ohio state and lsu and and one through five and then usc penn state florida state clemson and tennessee uh six through ten of those ten oh man in terms of finishing unranked i really think tennessee is like the only candidate to finish wow. unranked in this group what do you i mean i think florida state i am not as high on florida state as others but i, I don't think this team can lose like four games or anything like that mm. like, i think florida state and tennessee would be probably my only two because tennessee i think is taking a step back like i don't think they're going to finish the season unranked like i i think this team's can be a nine win maybe even ten win team like a nine and four tennessee with what losses to to maybe number 1 and number like 5 Alabama, Georgia and Alabama or something like that. Maybe number 1 and number 2 Georgia and Alabama and I'm not sure who else could potentially be up there. Maybe At number Florida. 20 Kentucky or something. Yeah, who knows what. They're what not happens. losing Kentucky. We <laughs> but <laughs> number number 12 South Carolina maybe. Um no. But Tennessee With, with a a nine win schedule, they'd probably be like ranked 20th or so, something like that. But I think just looking at a lot of those teams, like I really like, I think Penn State could be a really good team this year. Like Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan, I think those are all 10 win, maybe 11 win teams this year. Like, there, there doesn't seem – like, Georgia and Alabama, you know what you're getting from those teams. Like, they're not winning less than 10 games this year. Like, LSU is a team that's, like, a lot of hype that you don't know necessarily, but I feel like LSU is going to be a really good team. So, I don't know. I think Clemson's going to be improved as well. I feel like they also have a floor of, like, nine wins at the absolute worst. Like, so, I think Tennessee's the only team that, like – especially if you told me if one of these teams is going to win seven games, like Tennessee is the only team on this in the top 10 that could, that could win seven games next year.
0: I think Penn state could absolutely win seven games. Like Penn state could win the big 10 and they could also win seven games. Like I think Penn state's actually my pick here. The most mercurial where this is a big, big year for James Franklin. Like it's easy to get wrapped up in, Hey, drew Aller, he could be the guy you have. A bunch of talent on both sides of the ball you should be a uh, top 10 team this year you should not fall out of it but we have to see it like this is a lot of unproven guys like i don't it's hard to have three behemoths in the top 10 here in the big 10 like a lot went right for penn state last year sean clifford won a lot of games they were ready to move on but you look and at, at this for penn state eleven and two last year great the year prior, there were seven and six, Matt Green. 2020. Weird year, four and five. He's had a nine and four year. He's had an eleven and two year. He's kind of all over the place. His first two years at Penn State, seven and six. You think he gets over the hump with eleven and three and eleven and two, then back down to nine and four. He gets over the hump again, eleven and two, four and five. Seven and six, I think he's actually kind of topsy-turvy more than people think. So like if you told me he won 11 games this year and they maybe made the playoff, wouldn't surprise me. If you told me that Penn State had some bad luck, Drew Roller had some Graham Mertz uh, to him and it just didn't work out and he was not the Prince who was promised in Happy Valley, hey, that wouldn't shock me either. It's not that I'm betting on it, but I think there's more variability in the way the Nittany Line season goes than Tennessee. I just think Tennessee's ceiling, or floor, excuse me, is so high with this offense that it's going to be very hard for them to finish unranked to me because I just think with this offense and with what they have at their skill positions right now, they're walking into nine wins. And nine well, wins is... A nine-win SEC team is not finishing the year unranked.
1: Before you get into Tennessee, though, going back to to Penn State, like... I don't think you're giving James Franklin enough credit for like the consistency. Like they're I like you go James back Franklin, to, but you go back to 2016, like this team has finished. That's seven seasons. This team's finished top 12, five of those seven seasons. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're super consistent. And one of those years is the COVID year. We kind of all throw that out. Like it was weird, especially in the big 10, like talking about not playing at all. And then I don't know. It was just some teams wanting to play. Some teams playing like seven games that season. Um, so that was just a weird year. Like Penn State has been basically a double-digit win season. I mean, he's won eleven games four different times in the last seven years. So I think Penn State's got a pretty high, pretty high floor. Personally,
0: I look. I think it's. I'm a Penn State believer this year. I also just we part of this exercise is it's hard. We like all these top ten teams. Like all these top ten teams should be good. So it's hard to parse through this i think florida state like you mentioned is up there with mike ervel it's a big gear for them you could see them falling off it's hard for me to see them getting going unranked but then lincoln riley he never like usc jumps out to me just because in our pac-12 preview i did not have him in the pac-12 title game and with how top, top heavy the pac-12 is i could see it I mean, maybe that requires some bad injury luck, but if the defense as bad as I think it is, then maybe. But like, it's just, we don't have a track record of Lincoln Riley losing more than two regular season games. Like, the dude just goes 12 and 2, 12 and 2, 12 and 2, 9 and 2, 10 and 2, 11 and 3. Like, he's 66 and 13 as head coach. So it's like, as much as I could top myself into USC not making the Pac 12 title game or losing a couple games late because of that back into their schedule, which is so brutal, I just. I don't see a pot like Lincoln Riley just doesn't do it like to get to a point where they go unranked. It's just going to take like probably four losses. And I just I'm not sure I can do that. I think nine and three is probably where I'm at with USC, but I still think that's probably ranked. And I just Lincoln Riley kind of like that hypo offense is just and when you have a Heisman level quarterback, it's just going to be really hard for them to finish unranked if he plays in 12 games.
1: Yeah. I actually, I take my, I changed my answer. Uh I'd say it's Georgia. I think they're going to go seven and five. I just think they're taking a a step back. Um, Also Georgia again. this is why the, the Georgia being doubted conversation was so stupid. Like to write it like a month ago or two months ago, whatever I think it was Mike Griffith, like the the preseason predictions hadn't come out yet. Like, mm -hmm. so what are you talking about like well who's doubt who said this thing like the the Aaron Andrews to, to Crabtree who's saying this about <laughs> you um, or Tom um, Richard Sherman um Georgia got 61 out of 66 first place votes in the in the first coaches poll it's like no one's doubting them they're the clear number one right now and it's led the way with with all SEC picks like no one's doubting them. They're number one. This is this is what it, this is what it is now. So it's just, I guess, Mike Griffith was trying to get it, get that article in one last time while he could.
0: Uh, I mean, whatever you got to do to get those dogs <laughs> motivated for a three-peat here. Um, I thought this would be a fun back uh, Q and A for you here. Um, two different questions here in terms of the conference, and this kind of speaks to the conference realignment, Matt Green. Some of these are uh, new. Most of them are new, but some of them are not who wins the conference first Matt green usc ucla oregon and washington and i'll even throw you a bone here you can answer none of them ever win the big 10 and i'll allow it
1: well the big 10 is going to be called something different in like three years or something so um I think USC is the easy answer here. I really Mm. like where Oregon is as a program, but like, and obviously they did beat Ohio state a couple years ago in the horseshoe, but there's something about USC. It's like, you just know that once this machine kind of gets moving, like they're going to get the elite talent, like they're going to be the only program. I, I think Oregon's close behind that that can get the talent to compete consistently with Ohio state and Michigan and Penn state and, it's Lincoln Riley like we we love to like it's it's interesting how we talk about Lincoln Riley, you know, like some people just just love him like there's he's a genius. He has no faults. Some people talk about him like he's a clown because the defense is ranked hundredth and something every year and they're always underachieved. But like this man's won a lot of conference championships, like he's had a lot of really good teams Like you were just saying a second ago, like they win 11 or 12 games, like almost every single year he's the head coach. They've obviously had those games where they lose to Kansas State, they lose to Iowa State in the in the regular season, or, or just get the doors blown off once you're playing someone um, in the college football playoff. But Lincoln rileys I think, proven what he can do as a, as a head coach, and I think the, the defense is probably going to stop. If they don't improve that ever, that's probably going to be what prevents him from ever winning a national championship. But that doesn't mean they can't win a whole lot of games having the best offense and the, the best quarterback, potentially best player in the country with now three Heisman Trophy winners in like five years as a head coach.
0: That's fair. I would say confidently USC never wins Big Ten. I think that, that ship is mm. sailed. Zero chance. I would actually say how, zero. How so? Where they recruit, they're going to have to win in some cold places late in the year, every single year. They're going to need some luck there. I don't think they will ever be a team that's going to be able to beat Michigan or Ohio State late in the year on the road, and then go back in the Big Ten title game and beat one of them again um, to win the Big the Ten. The Big Ten championships can be played in the Rose
1: Bowl, though. Like I'll guarantee you that right now. Oh my! God. I mean, they'll need it if they want to win the Big Ten.
0: I would actually there say will, there will
1: be no Rose Bowl, so you have to make that game important again. Like there's no Big Ten versus Pac-12, right? Like there's no traditional like obviously they still play the rose bowl yeah. but i think they'll they'll have to they'll have to get it you know in the in the it'll definitely be the site of the big 10 championship in the next five years i, I guarantee it
0: you can do the Pac four title game there who's it gonna no, be you this can't. year and obviously the, Cougs you can do, or the and, golden bears you can who do who an sec be?
1: team you can play whoever you want in, in the bowls these days like that 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 doesn't matter at all but but yeah i i, I can definitely see something like that happening but you think the cold weather is really what's going to com- prevent USC from winning a, a conference championship?
0: I think it's a problem. Yes. I also just think they're never going to catch well, Ohio State and Michigan in this conference. I don't think it's ever going to happen. They're never going to be better. Like, this is one of the things about realignment when we get these mega conferences. Be careful what you wish for for some of these schools because, yeah, you're getting the money, you're surviving, I like, get that part of it. But you need to cross, like a lot of these fan bases have to just cross off. Oh, yeah, we're never even sniffing a conference title game. We're never sniffing a conference championship. Like there'll be a little bit of parity of at large bids in the college football playoff. But in terms of who wins the conference, that is going to get pretty, pretty rough for a lot of folks. And when you go there's to been, like, there's going well, mean, to like the Big Ten's going to go 10 conference games soon. Like we're going to have a consistent like two and 10 indiana or like oh one and eleven indiana don't we have you're... two and ten indiana now but i'm saying there's no path out like some of these schools like michigan state's gonna go from like hey we might be able to get to the big 10 title game every once in a while to our new reality is six and six is a good year like but this you just is... said
1: it yourself usc you, you said they're not gonna win the big 10 so they're michigan always gonna be like State... nine and three Michigan be State's right there. had their years where they've been good. Like it was just a, a period there for with Tony D'Antoni, or D'Antonio. But I mean, it's not per, it's not the perfect position for Michigan State right now. But they're not. I mean, just they're a like Ole Miss
0: now in the Big Ten. You're somewhere launched in the middle there, where you are I not. I like they're more anymore. Auburn or so in the Big Ten. No, Auburn's Penn State. No,
1: Penn State's the third best team in the Big Ten.
0: But I'm saying they're always the sleeping giant. We're like they have enough recruiting, they have a good base. They're kind of that sneaky, like because you think Georgia and Bama, and then I'm like Georgia and Bama and
1: LSU. I think are like the kind of powers Mm. in the in the SEC. I think traditional or at least recent history. And then I I would say Florida is probably ahead of of Auburn, and then I don't Mm. know maybe maybe Texas and them. I wouldn't say Florida's ahead of Auburn, by the way. I, I guess it's kind of I don't know I, it's it's hard to it's hard to put them historically but yeah um, that's that's a whole separate conversation maybe we should do the SEC Big Ten equivalents mm-hmm. um, but I I don't know I I think um, I think Michigan State like there's nothing this is there's nothing to say they can't ever win a Big Ten championship again like Harbaugh's at Michigan he's got them running right like who knows things happen programs go up and down like I, I wouldn't just speak just. Hey, who knows? Wisconsin Fickle could have Wisconsin as a as a national title contender here in a couple of years. Like you, you never know what could happen.
0: Well, I think there's a difference between a national title contender and being a team that can win the Big Ten. Like do the whole gauntlet and win twelve conference games in a year. Like uh, yeah, maybe I mean, eleven. It's, definitely tough. To, it's just gonna but be. But there's different.
1: been a mixed bag with these with this conference realignment. Like you have like in the Big Ten, like Nebraska had the the one appearance, but I think it was just because Ohio State was on probation. Um, and then Maryland and Rutgers obviously haven't done anything, but Utah has won the conference twice. They've, they've made the conference championship two other times, like Colorado even made a Pac-12 championship a few years back. Um, Virginia tech has made it to six ACC championships and won three of them. So Boston college even made a couple in the ACC, like Miami actually hasn't made any, which they probably thought they were going to be the juggernaut, uh, coming to the ACC. But so some of that you see Missouri get a couple of, uh, appearances they haven't won a conference championship but i mean there there's been a mixed bag that some teams have come into these conferences and and had a lot of success
0: yeah on the flip side the sec who wins the conference first matt green and same caveat you can say they never none of these four win it in our lifetime texas oklahoma mizzou or texas a&m
1: I think none is a cop out, so I think you got to pick one. Um, definitely not Mizzou. Uh, with all due respect to Columbia, Missouri, they're never winning one. Um, I'm tempted to say Texas A&M, mm. but I don't know if that's just because they're they're hot right now. And I just watched the Johnny Football documentary. You know, I'm really feeling Texas A&M. Um, but I feel like it's Texas
0: like we actually I, agree here. It's
1: crazy to me that to say Texas because like Oklahoma's been the team that's just like I would be annoyed if, as an Oklahoma fan of how much people talk about Texas because they've just been so vastly superior to Texas for at least the mm-hmm. last twenty years. Like how many years has Oklahoma finished in the top five? Like been preseason, you know, whatever. Number one, number two. Like they've lost a lot of national championship games and college football playoff games, but they've been in them. Like. Texas had Vince Young and Colt McCoy and that was about it that's all they've been for the last 20 years a lot of a lot of underachieving holiday bowls uh, for the Longhorns the Chris Sims major Applewhite era um but I so I feel like Oklahoma's just been the vastly superior program but it just feels like Texas is in the right spot like right now like NIL era, like coming into the SEC with Arch Manning, like he's obviously not the starter right now, but it's like, there feels like there's a buzz at the right time, kind of how A&M came in the SEC with Johnny Mansell, like just right out of the gates. Like they had a lot of momentum. It feels like Texas is just in the right spot. Like they're in a good spot to be competitive. I think from year one, when they get in the SEC, maybe they're not winning the conference, but winning nine, maybe 10 games or something. I, I just don't like where Oklahoma is right now with Brent Venables. Maybe they have a big-time year, uh, year two. It is year two of Venables. But, like, I think they're going to – if they play like they did last year, they're going to struggle when they come into the SEC. And I, I think those bad years can kind of, like – I don't know. They can kind of snowball, and uh, that that's who you are now in the SEC. Like, so I just – I like where Texas' program is currently. I, it, it's crazy. I would have never thought I would have said that uh, a year or two ago.
0: We agree. I think they're on the right track. And you just see the path where if they keep getting five star quarterback after five star quarterback, their defense is making progress. Their wide receiver room's loaded. They're putting first round backs in the NFL. They recruit the offensive line well. Like, I just I think Texas is the best answer here. And I think Oklahoma, I would actually be floored if Oklahoma ever won the SEC in our lifetime. I, I would be very floored if they have the dudes and the I SEC see, I kind of guys. I wouldn't
1: say floored just because it's like. It wouldn't Could surprise Could you see a season if, where
0: Oklahoma beats Bama and Georgia in the same year?
1: I mean, they might not have to. Not everyone does that when they win the when they win. Okay, the how
0: conference. about Bama and LSU in the same year? I mean, they might. I mean, if Bama, LSU, oh, and Texas in the same you just year. Just look
1: what Oklahoma's program is, has been in recent years, like or in the last the whole time we've been conscious college football fans. Like they're a powerhouse. Like they may have lost some huge games in our lifetime, but like. What that, that Florida 2018 was like one of the greatest teams of all time. Like, what was it like 24 14? It's not like they just blew out Oklahoma, like USC blew out Oklahoma that one year. But I think, um, the LSU national championship was like 20, 20 to 13 or something. It's like, they, these have been close games. So Oklahoma is just, they've been a consistent program. So it wouldn't surprise me if they were right back to where they're supposed to be like in a couple years. Cause they are like one of the blue bloods of the sport and not not like one of the ancient blue bloods like they've actually been a powerhouse in recent uh, years too
0: that's fair Matt green um final thing here before we do our big 10 preview here sir the transfer quarterback era um there's a piece by chris hummer in 247 sports that uh, had some interesting stats here what do you have for us tonight matt
1: yeah, man. Uh, I did see this by Chris Hummer um, about the transfer. We all obviously all know about the the transfer portal has just completely changed college football. Tell me more, but, Matt Green. But the quarterback position I think is, it's alarming. Like, I don't know if I would have guessed this before reading this article. Of the 69 teams that are going to be uh, Power 5 next year, 62% of those teams will have, are projected to have a starting quarterback that's been in the transfer portal 43 of the 69 teams, which is just crazy to me. Clint Brewster of um, 24 seven. Like he just has his quarterback rankings. Mm. Six of the top seven are from the portal. 17 of the top 25 in his rankings are, are portal quarterbacks. It's, it's just insane going down the list and just seeing how many, how many portal guys there really are, especially in like the preseason Heisman list too. Like I think uh, seven of the top, 10 guys in the preseason Heisman odds um, are, are quarterback. All 10 of those are quarterbacks, but seven of them are, are guys that have been in the portal at one point or another.
0: This might be a hot take. I think this has actually been a better development for the sport. I think this quarterback movement has actually ended up good. So when you look at these spots for a lot of these guys, like DJU at Oregon State's better than DJU having to ride it out and or go somewhere where he doesn't have an opportunity to be on one of the best teams in the Pac-12 the Pac-12 when we look at who has the best quarterbacks in the country this year they're in the Pac-12 and when the Pac-12 has 11 of new 11 of the 12 projected starters are transfers like hey that's actually good that these guys moved up that Cam Ward moved up from FCS Incarnate Ward and is starting at Washington State he makes Washington State more fun um Bo Nix revived his career at Oregon is a much different player, better player. He was good for college football last year. It was good that he moved to this spot. Generally speaking, it seems like a lot when I was going through these spots, the quarterbacks wound up in a better situation and it made the sport better because we got to watch them playing football on a better situation. Like Cam Rising was in a better situation. Jaden Daniels is in a better situation. Um Joe Milton is in a better situation than he was in Michigan. Sam Hartman we're going to see him play like national title level football at Notre Dame this year. Like he was no disrespect to wake, but like it's different and it will be cool to see Sam Hartman be maybe the most talented <laughs> Notre Dame quarterback in a long time. Um, And what that means for the fighting Irish. Like I think this is actually in terms of the portal and I have all kinds of gripes with the portal. This is actually one of those where I'm like this this is good. Like, they're the JT Daniels, the Phil Dracovics, the Jack Plumbers of the world, but, like, by and large, I think there are a lot of wins here. Like, Hudson Card might be awesome for Purdue, and I'd rather him be awesome for Purdue than being the second or third guy at Texas or having to sit out a year for stupid reasons when he can go right into the Graham Harrell offense as a Boilermaker. and be really good. Maybe, a, like, just one of the best quarterbacks in the country right away, just stats-wise, because of the system that he's going to be in and the situation he's going to be in, but... I look at this portal business when it comes to specifically the quarterback. I think it actually has been a big boon to college football because I think we have never seen the amount of quality quarterback play on Saturdays to this point, like on Saturday you have so many different options to watch so many great quarterbacks that have transferred, but are in better situations. So the football is better by and large, like Michael Penix versus Bo Nix was must see television last year, both transfers from spots where they really struggled. So for a variety of reasons, programs were on the downward edge with Brian Harson in Auburn and um Allen at IU. Both went to the Pac-Twelve, revived their careers, and are gonna be first round picks because of because of it. And also giving two straight years of awesome quarterback play an awesome game. So I think those are actually an, that's actually a huge positive in W for the portal, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, Bo Nix is just a guy that's had some potential. Who's never going to play in the NFL if he just rides his career out at yes. Auburn? Um, but yeah, I you look at right now the preseason Heisman, the top four: Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Quinn Ewers, and Michael Penix Jr. So all, all, of tra- and then you keep going: Klubnik's in there, Jordan Travis, Drake May, Sam Hartman, Bo Nix, and they can't all be Carson Beck. You know, mm. the guy just loves his university, just wants to stick it out, and wants to play. At at his university, you know, can't they can't all be like that, you know? Throwback.
0: Jamie Newman, I don't know. They've <laughs> di- they're they've dipped into the portal. Kirby's not afraid of the portal for the quarterback. Stetson Bennett was a portal quarterback.
1: No, that's what's funny um, about uh, about Kirby flexing the um, the portal thing last year. It's mm. like it's ob- he's obviously not against the portal. He went to it the- multiple years before that but it felt like he just knew like he could say that talking point because they just happened to not take any transfers last year. Mm. But, uh, yeah, this year it's like he's going to he's gonna find a way to say the same thing, but uh, they took, what, three or four transfers? I know, love It, Ra Thomas um, Thomas. Is that it? I thought that there was a couple more, but I'm, I'm blanking now off the top of my head. It's your
0: team, sir. I could tell you mine. Um, I mean, not to brag, but, I mean, I don't have any trouble telling you about Dante Thornton or Omar or Norman Lott or McAllen Castles or – Charlie campbell or i mean i can keep going uh Keena oh i know Keely. they got
1: the uh the tennessee guy um oh yes he's a you walk get, like, Kenneth on. whitehead yeah he's not even on scholarship but um but yeah i think he's is he not Athens on
0: scholarship ag- i didn't know that
1: no yeah he transferred to georgia and he's just a walk-on so i don't know maybe but see that's what it's the these collectives and stuff like i, I remember when um when santana moss was at miami uh, he was on like a they were at, on probation or whatever, so he he was on a full ride on the track team, so he didn't count towards the football scholarship with these collectives and everything. Like guys might be like, oh, you can give up this scholarship here to to get that guy, or maybe you would just be a walk on because you're getting money from the collective. Like who knows? These teams can get even more creative. I, I like think it. Thomas and Lovett are the only only two though that are gonna gonna play. I, I don't think any transfers are coming in on and playing on this Georgia defense.
0: Okay. All right, man. It's your team. <laughs> it's your team, uh, Matt Green, the Big Ten. Um, our over/under series continues on here. Um, let's start with Illinois, the Fighting Illini. Matt Green coming in here at six and a half, kind of a sneaky off-season edition. Jim Leonard joining the fray uh, as an analyst, which. Is kind of wild because I thought he could, like, there was a time when he could have been the DC for the Green Bay Packers and has been pushed uh, for multiple NFL jobs and has been a legendary DC at Wisconsin forever as a player. Now he's just an analyst for Brett Bielema and those uh, fighting I Have a great year last year, push uh, Michigan hard on the road late in the year, um, run the ball really well, really bad quarterback play, but it didn't matter. Put a Devin Witherspoon top 10 pick. In that development there um you lose ryan Walter. the dog right there absolutely but you lose ryan walters to purdue your dc we'll see they promote from within i believe their secondary coach becomes their new dc so there shouldn't be much of a drop off with the continuity there luke altmeyer comes in from mississippi state or old miss excuse me but he's from starkville mississippi and ended up at old miss somehow and then goes the to AJ brown route yeah exactly um it, at least it's a little bit more optimistic there a little bit. You're just like, oh, that's a little, a little fascinating. There's a, was it a blip last year and that Brett Bielema got them over the hump? Or do you think this is sustainable and that they might be the new Wisconsin in the big Ten going forward, Matt Green?
1: Now the new Wisconsin, that's bold. Um, I do think Brett Bielema is an underrated coach. I feel like he's just, he's one of those coaches whose teams just seem to always have an identity. And, I think uh, for the biggest thing, you look at Illinois schedule and they don't have Ohio State and Michigan on it and they get Penn State at home. So, like, I don't think they're going to beat Penn State, but I think there's there's a shot. So I think uh, looking at it, what is it? You said it was six and a half. Mm hmm. I mean, I just go down this schedule and I think they they might not be the best team in the Big Ten this year. So like Wisconsin could be a loss. Like maybe even Minnesota's a loss. But I think this team has the ability to go like eight and four, honestly, with this schedule. Like maybe seven and five. So I'm a, I'm gonna go over on the
0: line. I think I'm gonna go over too. This feels like a seven and five, eight and four team to me. Like I think Altmira would be fine. Tommy DeVito was not um good for this team. And I feel like they've had a new quarterback every year, but they have not had good quarterback play to this point for Brett Biela. I think Altmaier will be elite in this conference, but some strong Cade McNamara energy there. And I think he'll be fine. He'll be solid. He'll be the most consistent they've had uh, to this point. Um, Isaiah Williams, the dude at receiver. I mean, he caught 82 balls last year. I liked watching him a lot. Um, he's a really good player. Training three guys in the offensive line. You lose Chase Brown, but I just... Never I'm going to bet against Brett Bielema being able to run the football. Like, that's just what he's going to do. They won five conference games last year, which is kind of like it wasn't like a a hidden eight and five or like a kind of overblown eight and five based on their non-conference schedule and stuff like that. Like they they won some tough games. It was also their first winning season, which is kind of wild to me since 2011. I didn't realize it had been that long. Um, Juice Williams not walking through that door, but we've (laughs) seen good Illinois teams we've seen sustainable Kurt uh Kittner we've seen uh, Juice Williams Rashawn Sean Mendenhall we, we 20 years since Kurt Kittner and, and Brandon Lloyd hey I mean they've had dudes like it's a good it's hey Northwestern imploding maybe that helps Illinois and the recruiting department a little bit more uh over the next couple of years but I think I'm pretty optimistic I think Brett Bielma's got a pretty solid thing here and with Iowa, maybe on a downward trend and Northwestern on a downward trend. We'll see what happens with Purdue with this new uh, system and going DC, going uh, defense heavy because we'll get Purdue. Uh, defensive-minded coaches don't do well at Purdue, uh, by and large. It's Joe Tiller and Jeff Brom. It, there's a reason that uh, certain it, you have to win a certain way at Purdue. Um, and it's usually offensive focus, but we'll get to Purdue. So we're both hitting the over. Is this going to be another agree, agree? Uh, this oh, week. Man, Matt Green? Let's
1: hope not. Let's hope the listeners don't have to sit through another one of those.
0: Iowa seven and a half, Matt Green. When you look at this schedule and what we saw from those Hawkeyes and that new clause, we know Brian Ferentz has got to get to that magic number, that magic points per game number to keep his job this year. Are you a believer that's enough to get those Hawkeyes back over Seven and a half wins and near the top of the Big Ten standings once again.
1: Your your head went exactly where mine went, sir. Uh, I don't care about seven and a half. Mm. I care about 325. I care about that Mm. over-under. Do you know what that over-under is? I do not. 325. Why don't you go put that in your calculator? Divide that by 13. Uh-huh. That is 25 points per game. That is the clause. Mm. 325 points. Obviously, they got to go to a bowl game in order to get there. But that is that is the over under I'm interested in because I'm gonna be looking at that every week to see where where Iowa is and the points per game. Even if they're winning games, they could be like six and zero, beating teams 17 to 13. But I, I uh, in all seriousness, looking at Iowa's schedule. At a conference, you obviously have Iowa State, Western Michigan, and Utah State. Like Iowa State should be—I mean, you know—who knows with the Cyclones? They're up and down. Well, they don't have their quarterback. do looks don't look like very good right now.
0: Some off-the-field stuff. So oh, they're kind yeah. of like—I think things are pretty bad right there in Ames. Yeah,
1: ex- exactly. So it is—it is on the road, but um, a dangerous place to play on the road. But they—they they too, like Illinois, don't have to play Ohio State or Michigan from the east, but. They they do have to go at Penn State at Wisconsin. Um, they got that Wrigley Field game with Northwestern. Um, I don't know. They just they feel so average. Kirk Ferentz seems to just do a phenomenal job of like keeping his job, like just doing exactly what it takes to 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 get people feeling like Iowa's good again. They have a couple good years, and then they kind of go back to mediocrity um so i feel like i want to i want to say they're gonna be fine but seven and a half feels feels too rich for my blood so this feels like a seven and five six and six team so i'm gonna go under on iowa
0: we disagree on this very program this is my lock of the big ten they're hitting the over Mm. eight and four is the floor here for the for the hawkeyes they never go under eight and four like you go through the history for uh kirk ferentz matt green we talk about last year just the offensive ineptitude and everything else but they were mighty close to being in the big 10 title game last year (laughs) like there was a late miscue and just what they did against nebraska that game goes differently they're in the big 10 championship game when their offense was disgusting all year long two years ago they had the second-best defense in college Well, The takeaways were insane. We were talking about them in Georgia as like, these two behemoth defenses and, like, how fun it would be. We were talking about this podcast. Like, what would it look like to get Georgia and Iowa on the field together and what that, how that game would go with those two defenses and their takeaways and everything else? I don't know how that
1: game would have gone. It would have been something similar to the TCU game.
0: No, not even <laughs> close. Like, that game would have been it like me, Clemson. Michigan had a sick defense that year, and Georgia absolutely blasted them. Like I'm did, saying, do you remember I was that? was not keeping that close. I think they would. I think that two-year Iowa team, two years ago Iowa team would have kept it close. I think it would have been pretty nasty. I think it would have been like 27-13 Georgia or something. Uh, but I think it would have been like 13-13 at the half. They went 6-2 and two in 2020. They've hit the 8-win mark out of the last 8 years, Matt Green. They've at least won eight games seven times over the last eight years. I just, the defense is nasty. And the only time it wasn't was the uh, the COVID year, and they went yes. six and two. The defense is going to be great again. They return a bunch of dudes. I just, I don't see it. K. McNamara, I think it's an upgrade at quarterback than what they've had in the last couple of years. Not elite, but I think he'll be fine. Keep them nice and steady. We've seen Kay McNamara start a college football playoff game. It's better than a lot of Iowa quarterbacks the last couple of <laughs> yeah. years. Is that Get an accomplishment? Over. Lock it in. I was winning at least eight games. I think Iowa... Kate McNamara seems to be confident. Um, but, all right. right, I'll Lock it in, sir. I. This is a big year for Iowa. This is the last year of divisions in the Big Ten, sir. So, <laughs> excuse me. I think this is uh, it's a big year. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. That's the Iowa's, other thing. They're yeah, making the ahead. Big Ten title game.
1: Oh, wow. Um, it's happening. That's the other thing I was going to say, like... They were almost in the Big Ten title game last year because the Big Ten West is garbage. Like, well, I War in the regular Spoiler season. alert.
0: It might be garbage again.
1: Or they went seven and five in the regular season. They actually yeah. won the bowl game to finish eight and five. Correct. So yeah, it so it was a seven win regular season last year though. So there there is that. And then twenty what, twenty seventeen was a seven win regular season. So there has been some seven win regular seasons in there that yeah. they'll win the bowl game. So who knows? We'll see. We'll see on the on the Hawkeyes.
0: PJ Fleck. Man, uh the row of the boat. Golden Gophers, seven and a half, Mac Green. What say you with this schedule?
1: <clears throat> with this schedule, so Nebraska, I think, is just season opener. Like, that's probably a good time to get Nebraska. Not that there's gonna be too many bad times to get them, but Game one of year one of a brand new head coach, Thursday night atmosphere. I I, I like your chances to open up and get a win. Um, At North Carolina, you know I'm high on the Tar Heels this year. I think that's going to be a tricky one. Um, But, yeah, you got Michigan. They got to go at Ohio State, and they got Wisconsin. Like you said, with Iowa, uh, your pick to win the Big Ten West. I also think Illinois is going to be a pretty good team. So I just – I look at this and what was it, seven and a half? Mm. I do like Minnesota. I like where, where PJ Fleck has this program, but I don't know. I don't I don't see this team winning necessarily more than seven games this year. So I'm going to take the under on, on Minnesota as well.
0: We agree again, Matt Green. I'm taking the under. Something went really awry with them last year. There's weird stuff going on with PJ Fleck and the way this program's Go, like the weird story that came out about the cult of uh, the Gophers and all that. It's kind of rocky there. Um, it's just kind of weird because, I mean, he's like, un- I think he's, uh, he has some weird stats. Like he's undefeated, I think, in bowl games. Is that correct?
1: Um, I don't have that right in front of me. Um, Minnesota, ever at Minnesota, he hasn't lost a bowl game yet.
0: You can make the case when you go back through he's like the best minnesota football coach in like the last 70 years <laughs> like it's pretty wild to just look at the history of minnesota and like what he's actually meant just by himself but i mean i just look at this schedule i look at what we've seen in the history here with the gophers i think the big ten west got a little bit better i think nebraska would be better i just picked iowa to win the west i think illinois will be fine i think they are a team to me that takes a slight step back. They feel like a seven, seven and five team to me um, this year. I, I don't know. I'm just not a, not a big believer in what the Gophers are going to do here. Um, their quarterback, I mean, we'll see Western Michigan, they get a transfer uh, and Sean Tyler, maybe he's a big dude. Cause like we love Mich- uh, Minnesota running backs on this very program, but Tanner Morgan was this quarterback for like 37 years. Muhammad Ibrahim was this running back for what felt like 37 years to replace those two guys uh, at QB and running back with that amount of experience and game experience and leadership and all that. I just, this all screams under to me. I just, I think they take a slight step back. I don't think they fall off a cliff three and nine. I think PJ Fleck has built a really solid foundation, but I think they're uh, they feel like a six and six, seven and five team year to me. Like they go bowling, but just barely. Well, and and in fairness, like when we're
1: talking about James Franklin and kind of throwing out 2020, like you do that for PJ Fleck too, like that 2020 year was three and four. Like the other three of the last four years is 11 and two, nine and four, Mm -hmm. nine and four. Like this has been a very consistent program.
0: Yeah. Well, there you go. But,
1: But we're both taking the
0: under. I just, yeah, I'm taking the under. He might prove us wrong. He might prove us wrong. Nebraska. Six and a half Matt green. When you look at this schedule for Matt rule in year one with Jeff Sims, old Georgia tech friend under center for the Huskers. What does this look like to you, sir? So
1: six and a half is a tough number. I think the first thing we always do when we look at a big 10 West team schedule, we say, do they play Michigan or Ohio state? And this one does not. And so that right there gives Nebraska a shot. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of question marks. Like we've been going through with some of these Big Ten West teams. Like some of them could be good, some could be bad. Like we saw what Matt Rule did with Baylor. It was year two, not necessarily year one, that he uh had such a good year and they went to the Sugar Bowl. But I look at a conference like at Colorado, I have absolutely no idea what to expect of that game. Like I don't know who inherited a worse program to be honest. I, I tend to think it was Dion, but this Nebraska team wasn't very good either. So I uh oh I'm sorry, Nebraska does play Michigan um week five at home. So I um I I don't think I I can I, I don't think I can justify this team uh winning more than six games. So I'm gonna have to go under on Nebraska. I and mean, year two might could be better for Matt Rule.
0: They've had six consecutive losing seasons. I didn't realize that. Wow. I didn't realize that either. I mean, rule said the bare minimum is bull eligibility this year for his first year in Nebraska. Right there. The number is six and a half for them. I like this schedule. I like Jeff Sims. My favorite thing about this. I'm not certain. I like the OC hire. I'm also very concerned about the transition from what they were running with, um, why am I blanking on his name? Scott Frost to the Huddle master himself, Marcus Satterfield, who was quite bad at South Carolina the last two years. And we're more than happy. Uh like I don't you won't find many South Carolina fans that are like, oh man. Wish we could have kept Satterfield around. Like I wish uh wish we could have run that one back uh, for one more year. It's never good when people are like, your fan base is like, nah, we're we're okay. Yeah, you you can have it. That's a uh, it's just fine. I don't like that. But I do love the Tony White hire. Tony White's a great D.C. Everywhere he goes, great D.C. Chaos is what you see described um, from him in Athlon Sports when the coaches were interviewed about him. He's a great D.C. I think Nebraska's defense is going to be good. They have a lot of dudes on that side of the ball. I don't know if they'll be able to run the ball really well. I don't really like their wide receiver room. They have a good tight end room. But their tight end coach, I also think, got dismissed this offseason. <laughs> they had to promote from within. Like, their tight ends coach, I think, got dismissed uh, like a week or two ago. Um, I just, I think they're going to be 6-6. Six and six. I'm going under. I think they go bowl eligibility. But I think this Nebraska team's ugly. Like, I don't think they're going to be a fun watch. Based on everything I've read, based on what they're running, based on how this team's built, I think it's going to be a painful build for Matt Rule like he's I'm very fascinated to see if this works because what everything his hires and what he's building screams Illinois with more NIL juice and I don't know if he's going to do Brett Bielema better than Brett Bielema so I I don't know I am Matt Rule is I think I'm gonna say it most overrated coach in college football um coming into this year and I uh I'm dubious it works for Matt Rule at Nebraska I didn't love that hire and I also think he's just He might just be a little overrated for my taste. Get some AP top twenty-five wins, Matt Rule. And then we'll we'll be we'll start talking. I just I'm going under on Nebraska.
1: I do like how the schedule you got that bye week right in the middle. You got six games before the bye, six games Mm. after the bye. But if you look at that, like you're lucky you're lucky to be three and three, I think, at at that bye week, and then hopefully you can go three and three after the bye week. Like yeah. I don't I don't think this is more than a six win team.
0: Northwestern, three and a half. Matt Green, I can just go ahead and tell you. I would be just absolutely floored if you and I did not unanimously agree that outside of Iowa winning the West, or winning, excuse me, winning more than seven and a half games this year, Northwestern winning less than three and a half games might be the lock of the century. That might be just the absolute lock of the century here. Skip Holtz can't save this program right now I mean disaster after disaster like cats against the world this week Matt Green I mean when I say it's just gonna be ugly and it's already been ugly the last two years for Northwestern this team might go over 1-11 like 2-10 and max like is it are you with me on this
1: yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think Northwestern's in a very good place right now. I um, at, a, at a conference isn't like anything crazy, but like Duke is a good team. They're not beating um, Duke. They're not beating Duke. No,
0: find like, the wins for me here, Matt Green.
1: Um, you got Rutgers to start the season. Um, who knows? Like you got Howard uh, as your homecoming. Like that could, you know, maybe that in UTEP. If you get Rutgers, UTEP, and Howard you get three, but they got to get, you get, they got to get a fourth, right? They got to, uh, get that hook. So I don't know. Uh, I don't think they do it. So yeah. Give me the under on, on Northwestern as well. Three and one 11 and three and nine in the last two years. And then they somehow got to the big 10 championship that year before, but then, uh, a three and nine the year before that
0: they won the West in 2020.
1: It's a weird year. I mean,
0: and I mean, they played Ohio State tough too. Like, that was like a fourth quarter game. It was, they're four and 20 since 2020. It's not good. Two conference wins, Matt Green. I mean, their offensive coordinator's back. Mike Bajakian, some stats for you last year. He averaged 13.8 points a game. It's pretty bad which was 128th in the country in FBS. 123rd in yards per play, 130th in turnovers. I mean, just, you lost your left tackle to the NFL and Peter Skaronsky. I mean, Evan Holt's gone. Ben Bryant's in there from Cincinnati. Maybe he's okay. I just, I think they're going to be cataclysmically awful. Just an awful, awful team. And I will not be rooting for the Nebraska, or for the Northwestern Wildcats this year. Uh, Purdue. Five and a half, sir. What does the schedule say to you about the Purdue Boilermakers?
1: So they got Fresno. They got Virginia Tech on the road. They got Syracuse at a conference. That's a a pretty tough Mm non-conference slate. Like, no real cupcakes on the schedule at all. You got Ohio State. You got Michigan from the east. Like... This is kind of a gauntlet for Purdue and obviously still, they still got to play Wisconsin and Illinois and and Minnesota in the West. Like I, uh, I think with Hudson card, like this team, this team could be good offensively Um, bringing in the new coach. Like, I don't, you know, I think Purdue, they, they could be sneaky, but, with this schedule, like this team is not. I just. I don't think this team can go bowling. Like I. I can't find six wins uh, on this schedule, uh, like at all. Like I just can't do it. Yeah, I, I got to go under on Purdue.
0: I think Hudson Card will end up being an upgrade over Eden O'Connell. Um, mm-hmm. Devin Mockabee, I think, will be good. So a running back for them. Graham Harrell, I think, is a good offensive coordinator hire to balance out what Ryan Walters is bringing. But Ryan Walters ran a completely different... Or was the D.C. for a completely different system in Illinois with Brett Bielema. Like they're ground and pound. Hog Molly's up front. Slow and steady wins the race. Niren and Harold. Harrell. I'm wondering how that philosophy works. I wonder if there's a clash there at all between um, Graham Harrell. And he's sneaky, bounced around a lot of spots. USC, West Virginia, um, Purdue now. like He's just been... I mean, Texas Tech, I think at one point he played a Texas Tech, but like he's been in a lot a lot of stops um, to this point. So I'm curious if he sticks and that that's a marriage that works long term. Like we said at the top, I like Hudson Card here and it's a good landing spot for him. I like Ryan Walters as a DC. I don't know if I like everything here. I, it's just so weird to see a number this low, five and a half, when they just went to the Big Ten title game the year prior. And the team averaged 30 and a half, uh, the West Virginia Mountaineers with Graham Harrell last year. It felt like it was way worse than that, but like when JT was healthy, it was, it was okay. Um, I don't know. Hudson card was the best, probably the best quarterback, uh, for Texas last year. I mean, maybe not depending on how you look at it, but not a lot of returning receiver talent. T.J. Sheffield and Marshawn Rice, but like, I don't know there. This leads to me like the question I was going to say here. I think they're the hardest team to predict in the Big Ten this year, Matt Green. Like, five and a half is just alarmingly low for a team that just went to the Big Ten title game. And I understand there's a lot of turnover, new coach and all that. But, like, man, that's tough to for Vegas to be like, you went to the Big Ten title game the year prior, one of the power two conferences in the sport, and we don't think you're going to a bowl game next year. I just... It's hard. I'm going to go under. I think this schedule and the turnover... And my questions with how Graham Harrell and Ryan Walters function as a unit has me going under. I think they're going to be fun-ish and be in some big games, maybe a big upset somewhere on the calendar. But I think they're 5-17. and I think I'm going to go under. I think I'm going Boilermakers under here.
1: Okay, I, I hear you, man. I uh, we got, still have a lot of a, a lot of agreeing on here, uh, a lot of unders here. So we got one more in the Big Ten. We got Wisconsin, eight and a half. What say you on on uh, the Badgers?
0: The weirdest thing about Wisconsin is that they're running the air raid. Like it's going to be jarring to see Phil Lambo Longo. Excuse me, I always want to call him Lambo, Phil Lambo, which would actually be a cooler name. Um, calling this offense for Luke Fickle. Braylon Allen's a dude I'm curious to see how they utilize him at running back considering he's just like uh, the next in line from the long lineage of elite Wisconsin Badger running backs so he seems pretty optimistic when you read the quotes and what he'll be uh, in this system so maybe he is awesome and he still gets the ball a lot and he plays in space and it's great they're kind of deep in the quarterback room um, with freshman talent with transfer talent Tanner Mordecai was sensational at SMU last year, I think he should be really good here. There's a huge upgrade with Mordecai from Graham Mertz. They have talent on defense, like no Jim Leonard. I think I feel a little bit better there, but like I like this staff. Wisconsin's a good, solid program, and I'm not betting against Luke Fickle. I'm gonna eight and a half is high for year one, especially in this conference. But I feel like they're a nine and three, ten and two type team. I I would not be surprised if they hit ten and two. I'm going to say 9-3 and three. feels about right for them in year one. But yeah, I'm going to hit the over on the Badgers. I just think it's going to be jarring to see A, Luke Fickle uh, on the sidelines for the Badgers, and B, them just throwing it all over the place with what we've seen from Wisconsin our entire life. It's going to be really, really weird. I think Tanner Mordecai is the most underrated
1: transfer in college mm. football. Maybe like, I think this is going to absolutely transform Wisconsin's offense because I think it's going to be like Todd Monken in Georgia. Like mm. it, th- there's an identity that Wisconsin has. And when you have huge offensive linemen and you can run all over someone, you can pound your opponent like you're going to do that. You're not just going to completely abandon your identity that your program has always been. Mm. But when you pass, you're going to be more creative, more unpredictable. Just you're going to have better concepts. Like I just I think when you pass it's going to be better. And that's what you saw with Georgia and Todd Monkin. It was they were just more successful, more dynamic in a, in the passing game, but they still never stopped running the ball. They're still Georgia. Like they hadn't had like necessarily the bell cow like Workhorse running back the last few years, but there it's it's the perfect blend of this physical just philosophy, just foundation that the entire program is built on. and hey let's let's make a little creative and and actually have a competent passing attack. So yeah, I'm with you. like Luke Fickle, what well, he coached the bowl game, right? like he's already there. like I feel like I just forgot about like that. you said. Like you said, like I just I don't doubt Luke Fickle and in, in the the West there's just a lot of question marks. So I, I I like them to win the West. Like I think they're nine and three, ten and two for sure. And looking at the schedule too, like we hadn't really talked about the schedule with them. I also like how their schedule like lines up. Like at Washington State week two, like Buffalo and Georgia Southern. Some we should you know,
0: mention that would be stinky big. tough. They lost to Washington State at home last year.
1: That's fair, but I and I think at Washington State and at Purdue in the first four weeks, I feel like those are good tests, but probably not like probably not games you're gonna lose. Like they should no. be better than those teams. And then Rutgers and Iowa and at Illinois, like this team should be seven and zero with Ohio State coming to town mm. um, on October twenty eighth. I disagree like there,
0: but yeah,
1: I, I think they could definitely start seven and zero. They I, could. I, I, I really like it. Wisconsin. And maybe they lose one of those games and maybe they even
0: come up and beat Ohio State somehow. You know, who knows? I'm not predicting that, but they miss Michigan. They miss Michigan State and they miss Penn State on the schedule. This is a great schedule for year one for Fickle.
1: I think so. I think uh, I think this is definitely I think nine wins is is definitely doable with this schedule.
0: For sure. Ohio State at home is awesome for them, but Iowa at home is big for them. I think at Illinois,
1: they do have the dreaded weekday road game uh, Friday night at Purdue. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes.
0: You get a buy there after that. But um, I think this season, the best game I've circled for Wisconsin that I'm like, I have to watch from start to finish is Wisconsin and Illinois. I think that'll be that'll be a good one. And those two teams are going to be battling, I think, for the top of the Big Ten West. And it'll be it'll be fun to see that one for sure and maybe Iowa too who I have one in the big Ten uh, west so I think that won't the right the week prior it's gonna be a fun two week stretch here for fickle and uh welcome into Big boy Midwest football uh Indiana whoo boy um outside of Northwestern my old friend Taven Jackson transfers up uh, to to Mali back to the back to the home state um, of Indiana after a year at Tennessee the former four star. Rooting hard for him. I think Walt Bell is their new OC. I just, it's a disaster at Indiana, Matt at That four and a half number. I just, I look at it and I look at where Indiana is. I don't want it to be the case. This team's going to be awful. They're going to be dreadful. I think they're going to be the second worst team in the Big Ten this year. I, uh, I have no hesitation with the under here for Indiana. What say you with this schedule?
1: Man, what happened to Indiana? It was mm. they were they were trendy in 2019, 2020. Like they finished ranked eleventh after that twenty twenty season. I guess that shows you just throw out everything, Th- throw out the bad in twenty twenty, and throw out the good. They played Tennessee in, in a huge bowl game that people were really up for, and they beat Tennessee, right? They did.
0: No, Tennessee the, won.
1: No, Tennessee won. Was that the controversy? Was that Purdue, Tennessee? That was Purdue, was that Tennessee. That Purdue oh. won and controversy. Okay. Yes,
0: that was the year after.
1: Taking on the whole state of Indiana. Um, probably not where you want to be in your bowl game, playing teams from Indiana. <laughs> I guess you would <laughs> by Notre Dame. Wow. Um, just shots fired. At the whole state. Um, not where you want to be. But yeah, uh the last couple of years, two and ten, four and eight, like they just have not been uh, what they what they appeared to be trending with Tom. They're six Allen. and
0: eighteen in the last two years. Exactly. They won two Big Ten games
1: yeah so i i don't like them this year uh i i don't have the schedule you have the schedule in front of you
0: i can pull it up real quick look at the disrespect matt green's got the schedule for everybody i did have except him. indiana
1: see it was solid because you know it's more kind of each team i can click that uh next team well schedule. So they, they opened open with, with Ohio higher state, state. Like, okay
0: there you go i mean just what are we doing and then you get indiana state at home should be a win against the sycamores louisville at home probably a loss here's something i'm gonna circle akron at home joe moorhead coming in there that's gonna be tight i don't know if akron pulls it off but that's when i have circled for upset alert Mm. at maryland's a loss at michigan's a loss Rutgers at home who cares at penn state loss wisconsin at home loss at illinois loss michigan state at home loss at purdue loss Like, the back end, that's when they get fired. Like, you look at the back end of the schedule, it's terrible for Tom Allen because it's back loaded and he's going to go on a losing streak and it's probably going to be it for him.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like when you're looking at those SEC West team schedule and it's like the one that has obviously you have the gauntlet that is the sec West. And then when you also have the best team in the East, it's like, that's the team that just has the absolute absolute gauntlet of a schedule, like an Arkansas or something in 2021. And that's what Indiana has, like just having to play the the big 10 East. And then you also have to play Wisconsin. You also have to play at Illinois. Like they're not really avoiding any of the good teams. Maybe Iowa, uh, you're picking, uh, to win the big 10 West, but, yeah. And Louisville at a conference. This is this is not
0: not a lot of wins on this schedule.
1: I'm going under as well.
0: I, uh, I think they're going to be awful. So we'll we'll see. But I think this is it for Tom Allen uh, at Indiana. It's a tough job, though, especially in the NIL era and just basketball uh basketball first school. It's just just tough. That's a tough gig, man. Uh, Maryland and which seven? last time the basketball program was even good but I mean I'm just saying you look at <laughs> who's going to those games and it's still like it's a big time big time deal uh, yeah. Tom Coverdale may not be walking through that door but maybe one day and Indiana actually was pretty good this basketball year so Mike Woodson's done a good job uh, Maryland seven and a half Mac Green this is spicy uh, I like what Mike Loxley's doing up there in Terrapin country um, Baby Tua still there um one of the best quarterbacks in the conference still to this point great offense a little concerned about josh gaddis uh being the offensive coordinator now uh for uh the terrapins but when you look at this schedule what say you about the terps and maybe the most overlooked a little bit here uh in the big 10
1: Seven and a half is a little higher than I expected it to be. So I look at this, the start of this schedule. And I think I think they could start five and zero. I think that's mm. th- I think that's realistic. Towson, Charlotte, Virginia at home at Michigan State and Indiana. I think that's that's definitely doable to start five and zero. And then you got to go at Ohio State, got Illinois. I just after after that five and zero start, I don't think I can really justify. I mean. After the 5-0 start, you got Rutgers, Northwestern, and Nebraska still on the schedule. So you could get to 8 wins, but um I don't know. I just don't know thing. I don't think Maryland's the kind of team that you just that they're going to play to their ability every single week. Like you're going to have the games where uh Talia looks good and this offense is absolutely dynamic and then for whatever reason you just got the, the weeks where they maybe throws two, three interceptions and they just don't really show up. So I think, uh, I think we're in, what, you're like five of Loxley? Like, I was shocked the other day when I saw how long he'd been at Maryland. Um, but, yeah, I just – I feel like it, it feels like more of a seven and five team. So, I'm going to go under on Maryland. You're going under. Yeah. Even though it's doable, it's not the toughest schedule. It's, for being in the Big Ten East, um, obviously, you got Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, potentially three top ten teams. But after that, it, it's it, it is manageable.
0: I'm a little concerned that they have four new starters in the offensive line. That's always if you're a fan of a team, you're a little bit anxious about that, but Talia Tugavaiola has been fantastic for them. Um, hes a, I didn't realize this. He's the all-time leading passer now for Maryland. Never would have guessed that. Sean Hill? Uh, I'm not sure who guess. he would have passed. Sean Hill, man.
1: Sean Hill? That his name? For, Played was for the Detroit 49ers? For
0: yeah, I think he
1: was a long time Maryland guy. Was it like Boomer Asayson? Somebody go to Maryland? I feel like they mm. got like one back in the day.
0: I don't know. It's a good question. Um, Deshaun jo- uh, Jones is back. Uh, Boomer Asayson did go to Maryland. I think they're going to be a good offense. I just think Talia keeps his thing moving. Mike Loxy, I think, is one of the best offensive minds in college football. So I'm curious to see how much of a handle he has on the offense here uh, with Gaddis coming in. But like, I think the defense might be bad again. I just, I'm going to be optimistic. I think they're going to be somewhere around the 30th best team in college football this year, 30 to 35. Kevin Sumlin is also the associate head coach. There's a lot of member of these guys on this uh, Maryland staff. I just, I think they're going to go like eight and four. I think that feels about right to me. I think they're an eight and four team. I'm gonna hedge optimistic on the turps
1: I could uh, I could definitely see it
0: Michigan 10 and a half with our final three here and man there's one number here that's just bonkers to see and uh we'll get into them in just a second 10 and a half Mac green when you look at this schedule you're not seeing a lot of a lot of landmines here for the the Wolverines do you have the over on Michigan? Going into this year,
1: might as well just suspended Harbaugh for like eight games. Like, who this is like a lot of talks about about Georgia's schedule being so weak. Like, I haven't heard much about Michigan's schedule. Like, East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green at a conference, like, just absolute garbage. Like, Rutgers, Nebraska, M- at Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State, Purdue. There cannot be a worse first nine games of a schedule for any other team in college football. Like I just, there might not be one team with a winning record in that first nine games, like maybe Minnesota. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's really bad. So I feel like this team's going to roll out of bed and win nine games. So it just comes down to at Penn state at Maryland and Ohio state it's, it's hard to, I, I don't know how much better I'm, I'm not necessarily the believer in JJ McCarthy. I feel like he's good. I don't think he's necessarily great. I, he mm-hmm. could get better. He's got tools. Like I feel like we love what guys, high school rankings were coming out of, you know, he was a five-star coming out of high school. But when I watch this guy play, he doesn't do anything that a five-star does. I mean, he's a dual threat, but he doesn't, you know, in terms of like a vertical passing game, like Michigan just doesn't scare you in their deep passing game. And I'm sure, you know, there was there's times he hit deep balls and, and he gets Ohio State or or certain times here and there, but that just that's just not really what Michigan does. They're about running the football. And if it's just if he's gotta play that Stetson Bennett role of, you know, kind of more managing the game and and that sort of thing, like, maybe he can do that. Like, I don't know if Michigan's that good in, in terms of like they, the quarterback doesn't necessarily have to do much like and i'm speaking of 2021 stetson like because stetson obviously last year was was throwing the ball all around like over 4,000 yards passing like i don't see jj mccarthy actually taking his game to that level of like where what stetson did last year of like the offense him actually being potentially the best player in this offense like i think if he's the best player on this offense it could mean that He's a Heisman candidate, Michigan's the number one team in the country, or it could mean that their offense was kind of disappointing because I think these running backs should be the best players on the offense.
0: Blake Corum was sensational, and him going down late last year really sucked, and I'm hoping he's healthy and stays healthy the, the whole way. And it was super helpful to have him for J.J. McCarthy in his first full uh, night because they alternated the first couple of weeks of the year with him and Cade I think he's going to be handed the keys when you read the quotes, like with how Harbaugh has described JJ and like the most talented quarterback, I think is what he said uh, that he's ever coached. Um, (laughs) McCarthy. Over Andrew Luck. I mean, five-star kid. Like it's easy to forget. He did. He was not the best version of himself, especially in that TCU game. I mean, there's absolutely a path for a kid that talented with the running backs behind him, with the offensive line that he's going to have, the schedule that he's going to have. That J.J. McCarthy might just be the sleeping giant here. Because Ohio State breaking in a new quarterback here with Kyle McCord. We'll see what happens there. Drew Aller starting his first full year at Penn State. The heavy hitters are bringing in new quarterbacks. Tanner Mordecai coming over first time in the Big Ten. This is big boy conference for him. I think Michigan, I mean, right now I have him the national title. I think J.J. McCarthy is the X factor for them. And I'm hedging my bets on him. I think we could see a fantastic J.J. McCarthy breakout Heisman type year. I think everyone's going to be looking out for Blake Corum. But I think there's going to be a lot more responsibility handed to J.J. McCarthy for them to get over that hump. And I think he's going to be better. I'm betting on Harbaugh. And I'm betting on McCarthy. And I'm betting on this system and what they've got cooking at Michigan and Ann Arbor. Just keeping keep getting bites at the apple, owning Ohio State at the end of the year. I think they're going to be fine. I think they're it's a lock for them to hit the over. I think it's going to be a special year in Ann Arbor. I
1: think Michigan played three good teams last year. Mm. Penn State, McCarthy went 17 of 24, 145 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. Did have 57 yards on the ground. Ohio State, 12 of 24, 263 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Like, Definitely a good game, but he did complete 50% of his passes. Like, not amazing by any point. Also had a rushing touchdown in that game. TCU, 20 of 34, 343 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Also had like 50 yards rushing and a touchdown on the ground in that game. Like, those are the three best teams he played, and those are like, those are not very consistent performances, like a couple of big plays in some of those games. Like he's th- thrown some touchdowns. He's, he's run a little bit, but I think this guy's just got to get much more accurate. He, he doesn't seem like if you would have never told me JJ McCarthy was a five-star come out of high school, I would have never just assumed he was a five-star. When I watch this guy play, like he doesn't pop off the screen, like drew Aller pops off the screen much more than J.J. McCarthy does to me. Like, oh, mm. okay, this guy's got talent. Like, you saw Cade Klubnik play a little bit at times. You're like, oh, okay, I can see. I can see what, why you called this guy a five-star coming out of high school. J.J. McCarthy, I just don't see it. And I think if he's good, again, it could be 11 wins. It could be 12 wins for Michigan. But I don't see him winning a national championship. Uh, but the 10-and-a-half... I don't know. It, they have to go 0-2, essentially, in their big games, and I don't think they do that. So yeah, give me a give me Michigan going eleven and one again.
0: Okay. You took the um, over as well, right? Oh yeah. I think they here you go here, Matt Green. I think they finished the regular season undefeated. Mmm. Put it on the board. I think it's happening. Uh I think they're gonna be the number one overall seed in the college football playoff.
1: Okay, I'll, I'll give you my um, number one overall seed. Wow. I, um, I love when it
0: resonated with you for, it took you a second. Like, it did second. take
1: me a second because I thought we were still talking Big Ten. I'll, I'll wait till, um get, I'll, go, I'll run through my whole Big Ten scenario uh, for you here at the end.
0: Michigan State, four and a half. Mel Tucker paid a lot of money to come over from Colorado. Four and a half, it's staggering for the Spartans. Peyton Thorne out the door, lost a couple other big key contributors in the portal. Goodness gracious, Matt Green. Four and a half is stunning based on what we've seen from the Spartans. And that's kind of speaking to what I was talking about with the additions of four other great programs entering this conference in 2024. I mean, it's gonna be, it's not getting any easier for Sparty. And four and a half is wild. When It it, it jumped out to me. This is probably the biggest line jumper for me where I was like, wow, this is unbelievable for the Spartans to be at this point right now. When you look at the schedule, does this really look like a four and eight team? Does this look like a situation where the Sparty is going to have another rough, no bowl year? I don't know if I see
1: that. Like so, 2020 they went two and five. That was a bad year. uh, Year one of Mel Tucker, but obviously the COVID year we take with a grain of salt. I was shocked to see that they went three and nine back in 2016. Just Mm. sandwiched in between, like a after a college football playoff. I I want to say was that 2015. Yeah, Uh, went to the playoff and then they um, somehow go three and nine the next year and then go ten ten and three to follow that. But before that, the last time they did it was 2002. So this team's gone under four and a half wins twice, essentially in the last like 20 years. I just, I tend to think that they're going to bounce back and not like to bounce back to 11 wins like they did and go to the Peach Bowl. But I just look at this schedule, like out of conference, you got Washington. Like that's definitely not going to be an easy one. Um, But you got Central Michigan and Richmond too. You got Maryland. You got Rutgers at Iowa, at Minnesota, like at Indiana. I just think, I think there's a chance this team goes bowling. Like, I don't, I'm not gonna bet they go bowling, but the four and a half just feels a little too low for me. I think, I think things kind of got bad and snowballed for them a year ago. I think Mel Tucker's a good coach, and I think they bounce back. I think there's, I think this team, yeah. Let me say,
0: I think they do go bowling in, in 2023. I don't. I think they're going 4-8. and eight. I think this is, the seat's gonna, like, the money is just too much, but, like, you never want to see that you're 75th in defense with a defensive-minded head coach in the Power 5 level. You never want to be in that situation. They were 91st Mac Green in offense last year. They were bad on both sides of the ball. In comparison, Michigan was top 10 in both. I think they were six in offense somewhere around there in defense, too. Part of the reason I'm pretty optimistic about Michigan, too. Um, but, I think this is just going to be another terrible year. And I just I don't know what you do right now. If you're a Sparty fan, like, I mean, are you optimistic that Mel Tucker is going to get this thing back to contention in the Big Ten anytime soon? If you're a Spartan fan, I'm not I'm not optimistic of
1: that. I think they could. I just I think Michigan State is just they've been a solid program. And I I don't think they stack bad years on top of bad years. So I feel Mm. like. I don't know that Mel Tucker's that guy and it's a shame how much money they gave him because that just completely alters what the expectation is. It's like, I I mean,
0: Keon Coleman's gone. Peyton Thorne's gone. You look at like, I just, I don't know. Is it Noah Kim? Is he starting? No, there's definitely a lot of question
1: marks, uh, for the Spartans for sure on top of the uniforms. I don't know what they're doing with their uniforms. They're just, they got some of the best looking uniforms in college football. Just keep it simple. And they've just, they've gone off the rails. On top of that highlighter green thing they did a couple years ago, they did, they don't know what they're doing. The, the uniforms say everything about the dysfunction of the
0: program. This is year four, man. I think it's a big, big year for, for uh, Mel Tucker here.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely going to be nothing that makes you encouraged about where you're at in 2024. Like... <laughs> Maybe you win your bet and they go over over the preseason win total. But, I mean, I don't think they're – that doesn't even mean they're going to go bowling um and much less actually compete and show signs of life in the Big Ten East.
0: Matt Green, final one here. Ohio State, ten and a half. What say you, sir?
1: No, we got a couple more.
0: Oh, do we? Who are we missing? Oh,
1: yeah. We got Penn State and Rutgers, too.
0: Oh, Penn State and Rutgers. Excuse me. So, Ohio okay.
1: State Buckeyes, 10 and a half was a tough number for me here, too. I, um, I mean, they're Ohio State, and they just they don't lose two games in the regular season, right? Like, Ryan Day has yet to lose two games in a regular season, if I'm not mistaking. Am I mistaking? Uh, say it again. 2021, how many games in the regular season did they lose? Was it just the uh, Michigan game? I think it was or just the Michigan game. This? Are you talking about last year? 2021. The year before. They did. They lost to Oregon. So they did lose two games that that regular season.
0: That was a home game. Yes,
1: I remember that. Yeah. Something makes me feel like I don't know if it's Notre Dame. I don't know if it's Wisconsin. Mm. But I feel like someone's going to trip them up. And my prediction is Ohio State loses two games and Michigan is not one of them. Hmm. And so I think Ohio State. I'm going to go under. I think Kyle McCord. I think should be the 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 guy. Uh huh. But I'm just I'm skeptical. I mean, other than just Ohio State's quarterbacks, I just have an assumption that they'll be all right because they just typically are. So I think there's I think there's a solid. Just you know, you should get good production. Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably the best player in college football. Travion Henderson, I think a lot of people have forgotten about, but this dude is an absolute stud. If he's healthy this year, the defense should be improved. But I still there's something about uh Ohio State. I I I really do think that game with Wisconsin is is sneaky and you obviously got Penn State who who should be good in 2023 as well. I, that's my bold prediction for the 2023 Ohio State is they lose two games, but they beat Michigan, and somehow they're a little bit happier with Ryan
0: Day. I think this is 10-2. I'm locking this up that they hit the under. Mm. New quarterback. I'm not sold on the situation. I, just, I think Michigan's kind of passed them a little bit um, over the next couple of years and what we've seen in the past two years. They have to go to the big house. I don't think they're winning that game. At Notre Dame, I think it's going to be a dog fight for them. I think this stretch, though, remember, Maryland played them very close. I don't think they're losing to Maryland at home, but Maryland played them extremely well last year at home. They get at Purdue after. We've seen the House of Horrors <laughs> for Ohio State at Purdue. Then right after that, you get Penn State at home and then at Wisconsin. Like, I just, this strikes me. They're not getting through that four-game stretch unscathed to me. Like, I think they're dropping one of those. And then I think they're losing to Michigan. I don't uh, until Ryan Day can prove that they can play Michigan style and match them. um, I just I don't think it's going to I'm not betting them to do it. I think everything tells me this is Michigan's year in the Big Ten. I think it's kind of a rebound year for Ohio State, which is kind of funny because like Ohio State was a bad field goal miss away from winning the national title this past year. I just think it's a step back this year for the Buckeyes.
1: Yeah, I can uh I can definitely see that. And I think um who knows? Ten and two, who knows what those Iowa State fans are gonna be saying about uh about Ryan Day. Third straight year without
0: a Big Ten champion. People are gonna hate the na- I have a prediction. People are gonna hate the national title game this year. And you're not gonna believe this. They're gonna Why hate it that? again. It's gonna be Bama and Michigan, and it's gonna be ugly. And Harbaugh and Saban are gonna be fans aren't gonna like those private conferences and just the back and forth. Fans those are two very, very uh polarizing head coaches in the sport.
1: Yeah, that's definitely uh that's definitely fair. I um
0: the dog's going to prediction gonna... right there. Is it though? Michigan, they should be top four, top five on both sides of the ball. Bama may have the best defense in the sport again this year. They what do you mean again? Game?
1: When was the last time Bama had the best defense in the sport? I'm saying like like in 2018, 2017. was the last time they had the best defense? Well, I'm just saying that was not 2018, right? That's all right. It's been like six, seven years mm-hmm. since they had the best defense in college football. Scoring defense. Since Jeremy Pruitt. Say mm-hmm. what? Scoring defense? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Jeremy Pruitt. That 2017 defense was was really good. But last couple of years, but yeah. they're in the in the teens somewhere. They were but... 2017. They
0: were number one.
1: Okay. And um, you know, things used to be a little bit different when uh when a different guy was on the sideline. And well, they were ninth so,
0: last year, by the way. They it wasn't like they were off the off the. No, for
1: sure. That's just the the Alabama standard that when they're not the best, it feels like they suck. Like, yeah, that's just that's where they're, that's where they're at. It's you're either first or or your last.
0: Penn State, Matt Green. What are we thinking about the Penn State Nittany Lions going into this year and their schedule?
1: Nine and a half, absolutely lock this in, man. Penn State is not is not losing three games this year. Matter of fact, Penn State is winning the Big Ten this year, sir. This is the year that it all comes together for James Franklin and his squad. Penn State, eleven wow. and one, they're winning the they're winning the Big Ten East, winning the conference this year.
0: So you're all in on Aller,
1: in for Aller, all in on Aller. Put it on the board. Uh, this guy, number one quarterback in the country, coming out of high school, according to twenty four seven Sports. Like this guy is just—he's a prototype, and I think Penn State is just loaded with the the running backs on the defensive side of the ball. Like there's just NFL talent all over this roster, and I think it gets a little lost. Like just how consistent they've been under James Franklin, because how much money is getting paid? Like kind of like talking Mel Tucker. Like we kind of obviously he's been way better than Mel Tucker, but you you see how much money these guys are are making, and it just that that changes your opinion on on how on how good they are. So I think um, I think Penn State has been one of the consistent programs in the big 10 they've just been losing to michigan and ohio state and i mean those two teams were in the college Football playoff last year so i think this penn state team is ready to take the next step i think part of it is i i don't necessarily see michigan getting better like i feel like i mean don't get me wrong mccarthy can definitely get better this year but it feels like what they've been in 2021 and 2022 I just I don't know. I don't necessarily see that like Harbaugh's talking about them breaking Georgia's NFL draft record. Like they have a bunch of NFL talent too. But I just feel like things are kind of coming together for Penn State this year. And I I do. I think this is their year.
0: Wow. I didn't see that coming. (laughs) I don't think it's their year, Matt Green. I'll believe when I see it. This is like the letdown of all letdowns. This is going to be the James Franklin special. They're going ten and two. It's the under they're going right under at Illinois and Iowa at home. Well, they're back nine back. and a half. So you're or nine still... and a half. Oh, so I guess, yes, they are going over. They're just not winning the the pack. The, the big 10 East. It's not happening. It's just not. We, uh, we agree to disagree, sir. I'm uh, I'm feeling them. It's Michigan's year. They're in the West. I'd feel a little bit different at Illinois and at Iowa at home. They're losing that game. One of those two just lock it in folks i don't know which one it is but it's kind of like georgia bama last year with my tennessee call. they're losing one of those at ohio state they're losing that too michigan at home they're losing that too i'm actually going under they're going nine and three done deal lock it in oh penn state under for me we disagree here
1: mm. see you too much the schedule like see it's funny because i feel like so many people feel like with Texas A and M, I feel like the Penn State gets kind of included in that group. That's like, oh, we do this every year, we hype them up, not falling for it again. But I think I'm on the opposite side that I've never hyped up those teams, and I'm like, you know what? I think this is the year that I'm finally feeling Penn State. So I just I like them to break through. I think they're going to have an upgrade at the quarterback position, and then a couple of a couple of dogs in the backfield, if you will.
0: I mean, they scored 35 a game. They were 20th in offense a year ago. But, I mean, two of those teams I mentioned, Iowa and Illinois. Guess who had the two best defenses in college football last year? Uh,
1: Illinois Illinois is up there, right? Oh, is it Iowa and Illinois? Yeah. Okay.
0: They're just, I think, a new quarterback, new running back. Those teams aren't going to have
1: the offenses that Penn Penn State has. Penn State's still going to have a top five, top ten defense. Like, this team,
0: where were they last year? They were ninth last year in defense
1: I mean this team has been consistently like at every level like the the defensive line the the defensive backs they've been putting out in recent years like I I just I like where Penn State's at and I think they got a, a solid squad this year
0: when they lose the defense really loses they gave up 42 points in uh, per game in their two losses and their two in their 11 wins they only gave up 13. there's no wow. in between with them they either get blown out the defense it completely implodes or uh they're extremely extremely staunch and well coached so what i think happens
1: is i think um i think there's a chance that maybe they lose to ohio state and that's their one loss and they beat michigan and so when when ohio state has two losses at the end of the year i've seen multiple people and i I started to say it I, i i feel like there is this chance that all three of them go 11 and one this year and then i don't even know what the tiebreaker situation is uh when it comes to that but i think that's the scenario i see is ohio state loses like the the two early or whatever maybe penn state's one of them maybe they're not but Penn State will have that tiebreaker over Michigan. They do get Michigan at home. And then it's going to be Ohio State that ruins Michigan's season. And I think if you can't win a championship yourself at Ohio State, ruining Michigan's championship season is a good second best. So maybe Michigan still gets in the playoff and they're like the four seed after going, you know, 11 and one and just losing uh, to Ohio State. But, I think that's how it, it shakes out and Penn State gets in the Big Ten Championship.
0: Okay. I'll allow it. Uh, Matt Green, I'm not giving a full minute to Rutgers uh, to wrap <laughs> up this program. You have 30 it, seconds on three, the Rutgers. It's four over and a under. half.
1: Four and a half over under. I'm going to go under. Let's see. At a conference, they got uh, Temple, Virginia Tech, and Wagner. That's a good start. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go under as well.
0: They're just hanging out man cashing those checks like i like greg shiano i think they're better than what it looked like with chris ash prior like when they were getting beat 70 to nothing by michigan uh those first couple of years uh in the big 10 but i mean matt green i just i don't know what we're doing with rutgers in the in the conference like yeah. if you're a fan like are you enjoying this i understand you don't want to be demoted but like you're 124th in offense last year it's not fun. Um, I guess, you know, in terms of the rest of they your sports... They were 120th, sports, by the way. So they're actually getting worse in offense. <laughs> they're getting worse every year.
1: In terms of, obviously, cashing the checks and the rest of your sports still playing at the highest level, you know, I guess it's uh it's good. Because, you know, outside those Ray Rice years, like, it's not like Rutgers football was ever good. So it would rather be terrible in a good conference than terrible in the the Big East and who knows where they'd be now in the AAC or something like that but but yeah they have Would you Wisconsin. rather be in the I
0: would rather be in the AAC though.
1: But I mean not with all not with your baseball program and your and your basketball program and and everything else like I mean yeah you're not going to win anything in football but I mean they weren't winning anything in football anyway so But at least
0: you have the possibility in the AAC
1: yeah, i think those checks are a little different from the aac than they are from the big ten no but. hold
0: on that's what i'm asking i'm saying as a fan what would you rather like you're not cashing the checks if you're a fan um, i'm saying if you are a fan of rutgers
1: i mean are yeah, you enjoying probably, this would you would you rather, rather be in the are there are there rutgers football fans those people exist yeah, um they have to i mean somewhere. yeah you'd probably Maybe. you'd probably not want them, but i I don't know. You you at least know all your games are on TV when you're in the Big Ten. Like when you're in the AAC, uh, who knows? You might not get East Carolina uh, Rutgers televised. So,
0: but you could do the whole Cincinnati thing. Maybe like you could still find your way into what's the Cincinnati thing? Like you just have a great, you stumble into a couple NFL guys, and like your Ray Rice's, and then you have a twelve and zero type year in the AAC, and then you make the playoff.
1: Yeah, I mean, they would have made a huge playoff back in whatever year that was. That 2007,
0: 2008? Yeah, Tom Um, Savage is not walking through that door.
1: Yeah, and they have at Iowa and at Wisconsin this year, too, on top of their East, uh, Big Ten East schedule. So, yeah, this team's not winning many games.
0: That's all I've got, Matt Green. Woo! So who do you have in the title game and champion?
1: yeah the champion Penn State is going to beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship.
0: okay. So who Let's do you have you. making the playoff in the big Ten? Just Penn oh, State
1: we gotta we gotta save our uh, our playoff predictions you know we gotta that's that's after our conference previews we gotta give our season long previews. I don't wanna I don't wanna give it all away. gotta keep the listeners coming back for more.
0: That's fair. Um, I'm going to say Michigan, Iowa, and Michigan wins big in the conference title game and finishes the year undefeated.
1: Oh, man. Michigan, Iowa. That's just going to be. Was that our 20? Was that the 2021 uh, Big Ten championship? Yes, it was. Yeah, that's. And that was terrible then, and it'll be terrible <laughs> if we get it in 2023. We'll it'll uh, be the Penn last State one. Penn because... Wisconsin, and we don't even—they have, they don't play in the regular season, right? Penn State, Wisconsin. I don't think when I was looking at the—I did not the I schedule. Don't think so so yeah. that would be nice not to get a rematch as well.
0: well. There you go, Matt Green. For that guy down there in tequila, Georgia, Matt Green. My name is Chase Thomas, and that is it for this edition of the full ride here on the chase most podcast stick around for next week um, where we will wrap up our college football preview series uh, with the sec and should be just means more it just means more and what that means is we're only doing conference preview no news just diving right into tennessee georgia because i have a i have a hunch that that podcast is going to go long enough uh just hitting the sec so look out for that and then we're after that we're a couple weeks away from actual games to talk about. So very exciting stuff. And uh, you uh, guys just make sure you're locked in to not miss an episode. So for that guy, like I just said, repeating this closing intro because I'm tired and that's what we're doing right now. (laughs) Matt Green, always a pleasure. And I will talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.